Like Cody mentioned, I'm obviously not Chris. Uh, I'm, I'm Pastor Jonathan, and I'm excited to be with you all today, this morning. Uh, hope that you had a wonderful Christmas. I know uh, our Christmas continued celebrating even into yesterday, so we're, we're still keeping, keeping it going, enjoying the, the holiday, and so I hope that's been the been, uh, same for you. Uh, hopefully you got to come and be part of some of the services we had here at Second. Uh, Chris was going through an entire series in Isaiah 9, just talking about just the names of, of uh, Jesus and just what that means for us. And just, uh, it was just a great series, really enjoyed that. Uh, but starting in January, we're actually about to kick off a new series. And so I hope you, you come back and you're part of that with our new times and all that good stuff. Uh, come and be a part of uh, just the idea of how we live, how to live a, a complete life, how to live fit. But we're not talking just fitness. We're talking just the, the, the entire entire spectrum of your life. So I hope you come and be, be a part of that. That's starting next week. And so uh, definitely something that you're not going to want to miss. Um, I don't know about you, but something that always strikes me every Christmas is that most people are okay talking about this cute little story of, of a baby in a manger. But once we go any further past that, sometimes people start getting a little uncomfortable. You know what I mean? Uh, Jesus as a cute story is okay, but when it starts meaning something to our life or even to how we should live, things can start getting a little bit weird. It's almost as if the world is okay as long as we keep Jesus in the manger. You know what I'm saying? The truth is that baby baby Jesus is King Jesus. Is King Jesus. So today I, I want to fast forward a little bit. I want to I fast forward 30 or so years from the time of Jesus being born to Jesus right before the Roman soldiers come and get him that, that are, that's going to ultimately take him to his death on the cross. Now, am I just trying to kill the mood of Christmas? No, I'm not, I promise. But what, what I want you to see is I want you to see the why behind the Christmas story. For, for what purpose is God doing all of this? Uh, I want you to get beyond just the cute story of, of Jesus and see that it's, it's, it's part of a much bigger story, and that's a story that you and I are a part of too. I also want to invite you to reflect a little bit. As Jesus, in this passage, is going to look back on his earthly life, I want you to take a moment and look at your life. I want you to think back over 2018. I want you to look at where you are right now. And I want you to see if what's important to Jesus in this passage is important to you. In your family. So, if you would, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to John 17. John chapter 17 is where we'll be. I'll have most of the scriptures on the, on the screen, but if you want to open your Bible, that'd be great. Uh, John 17 is one of my favorite passages in the Bible, by far. And uh, I like it so much because uh, we get to actually see a prayer of Jesus. And now, I don't know what your experience with prayer is like, but if you've ever sat down and intentionally prayed with somebody you really get some insight to that person's heart and mind. You get to see what is burdening them to a point that they would bring that before the king of kings. But now, here in John 17, we're going to actually get to see the king of kings praying. You get to see some insight into him summing up his mission on earth and what, it, what his hopes are for those he leaves. It really is absolutely just stunning to read through. So um, perhaps coming on the heels of Christmas... I'm really hoping that because we're coming right out of Christmas, you get to see something maybe you haven't seen before. And so that's my hope, my prayer this morning. So, uh, uh, so John 17, starting in verse 1. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven 
and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. Now, Jesus having all authority means that basically he answers to no one, obviously. Uh, It says in Colossians that everything that was created was created by him, through him, and for him. Okay, So that's the authority that Jesus is bringing to the table at this moment. He comes, and it it says there, to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. So who is eternal life for? It's for all who has been given to him. So in verse 2, we saw that he was given authority over all flesh. Now, that's everybody, right? And then in addition, we saw what what I mentioned in Colossians. Everything that was created was created by him, through him, and for him. So is that all inclusive enough for you? Right? I mean, that, it's, it's the entire picture of humanity that Jesus is wanting eternal life for. And uh, so Jesus goes on to define, uh, in verse 3, what eternal life really is, so that there's no preconceived notions. Okay, So in, in, in verse 3, And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Now, I'm not sure of what you think of when you think of eternal life, But Jesus says that what hangs in the balance of your knowing is your proximity to the only true God. Knowing the God of the universe through knowing Jesus, his son, is your access to eternal life. And and, and that's what eternal life is all about. We talk about heaven. Heaven is eternity with God. But see, here's the thing. God is what makes heaven heaven, right? It's the, it's the absence of God, it's the lack of God that makes hell hell, right? And so that, that's, that's the whole picture. As we look at eternal life, we're thinking we're, we're wanting to be with God forever. We're wanting to be with him forever. So let's continue to verse 4. We're not, we're not getting those on there? Okay. You want to try it again? I, I, have my, my, I have my little thing in the back, uh, flash drive. So... Do you remember what I told you before? I, I said that, was, is this prayer that Jesus is praying, is this before or after the cross? So catch it, before. So this is before the cross. <clears throat> and why I find that interesting is, if you look again at verse 4, uh, did you catch it? Jesus is saying that he accomplished all the work that he came here to do. Okay? So if Jesus is accomplishing, he, he's saying he's already accomplished it. He's accomplished the work he came here to do. Now, what work has Jesus come here to do? The, the work that Jesus was sent to do was he came to seek and save the lost, obviously. He came and seek to save the lost. He came to provide atonement for the sins of all who would ever believe in him. And he came to reconcile sinful men to a holy God. Now, this is before the cross. He has not gone to the cross yet. He has, but, so, in, in turn, he has not conquered sin and death. He has not become the atonement for our sins yet. So all of this stuff he's saying, he's saying, I've accomplished these things, but we're, we haven't even got to the cross yet, which is what, what I found very interesting. Well, I completely realize that Jesus does know all, and he easily could have been talking about what was going to happen. It did get me thinking that um, what, has, what has Jesus done, what has Jesus accomplished up until this point? Okay, so what, what has he accomplished? So at this point in Jesus' life, it's right before the cross, so we know that Jesus has lived a perfect life, right? He's lived a perfect life here on earth, and uh, which is, is he lived a life without sin. He has spent time traveling uh, what would relatively be a pretty small area um, around 
just around Judea and around the, the areas that he traveled. He's been healing some people. He's been doing miracles. He's been teaching all the while and spending his time pouring into a small group of men. Did you catch that? Now, um, I want you to hear Jesus' heart for his disciples. He's, he's about to pray for them. And as he's praying for them, uh, I want you just to see his heart for them. So, uh, verse 6. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, that they have kept your word. This is true for us today. Uh, this is true for us today, too. If you want to know God, you have to know Jesus. Right? Uh, he is the image of the invisible God. We can, we can now know the name of God in the person of Jesus that was what the disciples came to know. These stories of the Old Testament God that, that they had talked about for so long, all of a sudden now they're seeing Jesus in the flesh, and now they can actually know God because God has come to earth. They get to see what he's all about. They get to see what, what Jesus cares about. They get to see what's important to him. Uh, they, they get to, to know know God because if, if we want to know God, we have to be introduced to Jesus, right? If we want to be introduced to Jesus, then we've, we've got to hear his story. Verse 7, now they know that everything that you have given me is from you, for I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. So what is Jesus at this point celebrating in the lives of the disciples? Do you all see it? He's saying that basically that they know he is who he says he is, right? And so that's, that's what the, the big question that everyone in this life has to answer, that all of us have to answer the question of who do you say Jesus is? Who do you say Jesus is? Is he simply a liar? Is he, is he someone who told some tall tales? Did he create some parlor tricks and... Uh, did, did he just do just say all kinds of crazy things and do those things? Uh, was he just lying about it all? Or was he crazy? Was he that lunatic? Was, was he somebody who thought he was God? And if he was not God, then is it really worth caring about everything else he has to say? Or, or is he Lord? Is he God? Is he truly the Son of God, God put on flesh as a baby, to ultimately give his life to save us? Is Jesus who he says he is? Look at verse 9. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, and they, that they may be one, even as we are one. Do you all see that Jesus' Jesus's prayer for his disciples right now is all for unity? It's for unity. It's not, not just any unity, though. It's a unity that is a reflection of the unity that has existed eternally between the Father and the Son. So what would that look like for the disciples to have unity? I think we're going to see it more fully as we go down to, get, get down to verse about 18. But I, I, can't, I, I have such a hard time. I, I really wanted to skip some verses, but this is all so good. So I, just want, to, I want to read through, starting in verse 12, and we're going to see, see just more of Jesus' prayer. Um, so... Bear with me a little bit. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, so that the scriptures might be fulfilled, meaning Judas. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. 
I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in, your, in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so have I sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. Now, I hope you're catching this. Uh, Jesus has given the disciples the word, the very word that the world is going to hate them for, but he, he's praying that they can hold strong. He says that they are exactly where they're supposed to be for exactly the right time. I think the same is true for us, right? That, that you are, you're, it's not by accident that you are where you are, that you have the realm of influence that you have, that you have the friends that you have, the family that you have. You're there for a reason. Um, Jesus is sending them into the world with a word, and that word is the gospel. As Jesus looks at his earthly life, he sees that much of what he's accomplished up to this point is this ragtag group of, of, of guys, that he's, he's put his life into these guys so that they can go on and take the next steps for his mission. Now, if you know the story much, I mean, you, you know that this group of guys, you might be asking, okay, Jesus, now this group, this group of guys, now this, is, this is the group that you're ready to entrust the only message that's going to save all of the world from their sin. Now, we see almost immediately that as Jesus is taken by the Roman soldiers, what, is it, what do his disciples do? They, they scatter, right? They, they, they go everywhere. Peter stays around for a little bit, but between cutting off a soldier's ear and then denying Jesus three times, uh, he, he wasn't starting off too great either, right? But obviously at this moment they're crushed beyond hope as Jesus is taken and, and, and crucified. Um, but how do, how do we know that they totally did not understand what Jesus was about to do? Uh, how do we know that they were not expecting the resurrection? Well, we know because obviously they were not sitting at the tomb with popcorn, right? Like if they had really understood what, God, what, what Jesus had said, they would have been sitting there right in front of the big rock saying, okay, any moment now, he's coming out. I'm ready. I'm looking forward to Jesus. Here, here he comes. But what did they do? They, they went back just to their regular lives, went back to their old lives, started just picking up their careers. They didn't, they didn't realize that Jesus was about to come back. They, they looked at their last few years as wasted. But at the biggest crossroads in their life, Jesus doesn't stay dead. No, no, Jesus is no longer in the grave. Jesus, in his perfect plan, he raises from the dead and immediately goes to restore this small group of guys. He commissions these guys with the responsibility to tell the world how they can spend eternity with the God of the universe. Now, this is a big deal. Uh, there is no plan B for, for Jesus' plan here, okay? Uh, Jesus was intentional in spending time with this small group in order to show himself so that they could go and show others Jesus. So, did it work? Did it work? Well, I think it's still a work in progress, right? I mean, because if you know Jesus, then what you do with that message is also just as important. It could mean much for future generations. Look at verse 20. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may, be, they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. 
the glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. I and them and you and me, that they may be perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and, and love them even as you love me. Now, Jesus realizes that this message is going to go beyond his immediate disciples. Did you, catch, did you catch who he's praying for in verse 20? He's praying for us. That, that's pretty amazing. I don't know if you, you've seen that in, in Scripture before, but Jesus is praying for you. He's praying for me. He, he's praying that, that we may be unified so that the world may believe that Jesus is who he says he is. Now, what if Jesus' disciples handled the message of Jesus the way that we are currently handling his message? Now, I'm, I'm not trying to make us feel guilty, but because I'm talking to myself too, but I'm saying that we are called to be intentional. We're called to be unified. We're, called, uh, we're, we're told that this message is worth telling the world about. The world needs to hear it. Your coworkers need to hear it. Your classmates need to hear it. Your family, who you just spent Christmas with, and you're like, they definitely need to hear it. Uh, they, they need to hear it. They do. Look at verse 24. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may, may be in them and I in them. So Jesus wants the world to see him for who he really is. He knows that the way that that truly happens is that those who believe in him in the coming generations are going to take that message to those that are around them. Now, this is not in a prideful way. It's not in a way of thinking that, that or it's not in a way that's as simple as just coming to church. Uh, but see, the gospel makes us humble. It makes me think of uh, Italy. Maybe you're going, okay, what? Um, but it, back in 1999, I had a chance to be able to go to Italy, and it was amazing. I loved it. Uh, one of the highlights was Florence, Italy, for me. And uh, one of the cool things about Florence, if, if you've ever go, ever been, is the Statue of David. It's unbelievable to behold. Uh, I didn't show the full thing because, you know, that would just be awkward. Um, but uh, he's, he's 17 foot tall. And he's made of marble. But what I, what I didn't really know was that, um, what I came to know is that that block of marble that Michelangelo used to, to sculpt David had been rejected by two previous artists before he got that piece of marble. I thought that was kind of cool. So um, it, it, it almost to me makes me think of, okay, if that stone, that marble could talk, uh, it would say, uh, I'm just discarded. Nobody wants me. Um, but then all of that changes once he gets touched by the master, right, by, by Michelangelo in that, in, that, in that illustration. Now, the same stone as, as the statue of David can't look at all the other stones and say, uh, I'm David, so y'all should just bow down because I'm the best. Uh, because he, he didn't make himself. It wasn't through his own ability and his own process that he became the statue of David. It was because the master made that happen, right? I mean, the, same, the, the exact same thing is true for us. As we go out with this message, we're new creations, but we can't go out with a message saying, look at me, I'm pretty amazing, look what I've done. It, it's, it's a message of Jesus has changed us to a point that we can go and take his message, and, and we don't boast in it of ourselves saying, how amazing am I, but instead we boast of Jesus. Does that make sense? 
And so as we take that message to the world, we're taking in the critical message, and we're not doing it in a prideful way. Instead, we're doing it in a way that says, world, you need to hear this. And uh, I'm, I'm a nobody who was, who was changed by somebody. And, uh, he, and it, it's important for everybody, right? And so I, I want you to hear the story of Jesus. I want you to hear the name of Jesus. So my question for you now is, how, how has your 2018 been? When you look back at it, um, have you been about people, pouring into people, the way that Jesus was intentional about pouring into people? Uh, what have you done with that message that Jesus has entrusted you with? Uh, have Being about people is worth your time and effort. I, I, I would say that, obviously. Jesus showed this in the way that he lived. He loved the marginalized. He was all about those that the culture forgot. He loved the unlovable. He touched the untouchable. Now, in what ways have you been like Jesus to the world? This is one of the reasons that we do small groups here at Second Baptist, I, I think. It's just a, it's a way that we want you to be able to be known. We want you to be able to be part, instead of a large group, we want you to be part of a small group so that you can, you can pour into that small group. It's hard to, to, to be known when you're in a, a large group, especially on a Sunday morning, right? Um, and so that's one of the reasons we encourage you to go and be part of a small group. Um, have you been about people in this past year? Have you shared the message of Jesus? Another thing we want our small groups to do, we want our small groups to, to be a constant source of, of reminder that Jesus is worth living for. Reminders that, um, that you can live for him in practical ways. You can give honor and glory to him in the way that you work and in the way that you interact with your, your coworkers and with your family. And uh, that's, that should be a source of life for you. And that's what we, why, why we, we want those small groups to be, to be that. So uh, I don't know, as you look at, uh, maybe as you look at 2019, um, maybe you're going to be able to take advantage of a few more opportunities that Jesus is going to give you to, to give that message that he's entrusted you with. Uh, maybe it becomes more part of a small group. Uh, maybe God is just wanting you to focus more on people and just to, to get your focus off, off self and off, off everything that you're after. And, and to see that, that there's more around you. Um, go ahead and invite the worship team up. I'm going to go ahead and just uh, pray for us. And uh, I, hope, I hope that this hits you in some way, some, somehow. Uh, this is definitely um, not your typical Christmas message, but uh, I hope you got to see a little bit of the full picture of, man, that Jesus came for a reason, that we're, we're not keeping him in the manger, that baby Jesus is King Jesus. And so I hope you can celebrate that this morning. Pray with me. Father God, we thank you for this time. God, I thank you that we can come and we can pause and we can look forward to a new year, knowing that we're really not in control of so much of it, God. But we trust you. We trust that you're going to put opportunities before us, that you're going to show us ways that we can be the hands and feet of Jesus. May we be a light to a dark place in in our community right now. May we be intentional as we interact with people, even in our family, God, about about who you are. May we be good stewards of the message that you've entrusted us with. May we do that and look back and say, look at what Jesus has accomplished. Celebrate you in this time. Pray all that in Jesus' name.